0: Thanks, Mike. Good morning. Let's stand. That doesn't mean it's over. Now, if you're a female, could you just please take a seat? Go ahead, take a seat if you're a female. Okay, so here we are. I will not give the entire message on the men's retreat, but here's what I'll say. I was in... uh, um, I was in someone's home in another state a couple of weeks ago, and I walked in, and and right over their fireplace, there was a banner, and the banner said, nothing changes if nothing changes. You might think, duh, it hit me. I'm in the heart, and I realized there are places in my life that I think God will change, wants to change, and I do nothing different, and so guess what? Nothing changes, so you're standing up as a man, Because I'm uh, encouraging you, exhorting you, not guilting, not intimidating, though I will be standing in the lobby with a few of my friends afterwards. I invite you to the men's retreat. And um, I have such a strong feeling, sense from God, that this year, this coming Friday, Saturday, 24 hours, is an opportunity for life change. Because if nothing changes, nothing changes. You may be seated. Thank you. (laughs) Clapping for my announcement. Eddie and Margaret, hi. Just needed to say that. So great to see you guys. All right, we are launching into a new series, a three-month series on the Sermon on the Mount. I'm really excited about it. So we'll be camped in Matthew 5 through 7 uh, for the next three months. So um, read it, ingest it. Um, pray it because Jesus intends us to live it. And so what I wanted to, to begin with this morning is just ask you to take a moment. You can, eyes open, eyes closed, it doesn't matter to me. I want you to imagine for a minute that you are in the crowd the first time Jesus delivered this message. Maybe you've watched The Chosen and so you can sort of imagine where you are in the crowd. You know. I just want you to imagine that there's this new uh, teacher on the scene. And he, he's in your area. You're in the, the region of the Galilee. And he's in your area. And you've heard about him. And maybe what you've heard is this guy's different. L- not different, weird. Well, maybe different, weird. This guy's different. He looks at people differently. He looks different. He sounds different. He, he doesn't teach like other teachers that you've heard. Maybe you... Um, you realize that when he looks at people, it's like he can see them. And, and maybe he's looked at you. And you recognize when he looks at me, I feel this strange mixture of terror and love. And you're unsettled. Maybe you've been following him for a time or you're just a part of this kind of spontaneous flash mob that realizes all these miracles have happened. And now this teacher is, is, is walking through your village. He's walking in the area. Someone says, hey, he's on his way up the mountain. He, he's got something to say and something inside you. Like, I think I want to go. I, I never thought of myself as one of those types, but like, I want to hear what this guy has to say. Maybe you, you're, you're, you can imagine you were one of those in the crowd when he did the miracles. You saw demons leave people. You saw sick people get up. You saw people that you knew were not well be made well. Maybe you heard his voice and something jumped inside your heart. Maybe you actually think, I think I saw a miracle. I mean, I was far away. It was in the back, but I think God showed up right there. And something inside says follow, and he begins to talk. But even as he's talking, your mind is reeling because he's saying things that just don't make any sense. They don't match up with what you, what you learned in Hebrew school. They don't even match up with the, the God you thought you understood from your parents, and you're just kind of shocked, and you're thinking to yourself, what could this mean? What could this mean for me? And so with that sort of in your mind, listen and hear Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 12. This is the word of the Lord. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down and his disciples came to him and he began to teach them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Remember, this is Jesus speaking. Because of me, he says. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, you inspired these words of from Jesus, Son of God, King of kings and Lord of lords. And now we ask that you'd use these words and that you would uh, sink them deep into our hearts. Spirit, come with your wisdom and revelation that through this text and and our applied understanding, God, that you might change us. That we might rejoice this day and choose gladness because ours is the kingdom. All because of you, Jesus. Amen. You, you might recognize that if you read through the Sermon on the Mount, it's I mean, just read through the thing. It's maybe 20 or 30 minutes long. Jesus' most famous teaching. Somehow I managed to speak longer than that every week. That's a little intimidating. <laughs> Jesus' most famous message, 20 to 30 minutes, maybe. And probably Jesus gave this message, the whole Sermon on the Mount, not just the first 12 verses. Probably did it a couple of times. Probably this is w- one of the, the things, like, oh, he gave that one sermon. Luke uh, shows us another place, similar um, Message, but a little shortened and in a little bit of a different context. The theme of this Sermon on the Mount is that faith in Christ is the access point to the kingdom of God. Um, Matthew 4.17, it's right before the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is preaching and he's given his main message. Repent, turn around, do everything different, think differently, because the kingdom of heaven is right here near to you. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's what Jesus is saying. Um, listen to this from Dallas Willard, and some of my thoughts this morning will come from a book called The Divine Conspiracy by Dallas Willard. Um, honestly, one of, the, one of the most challenging books I've ever read, and one of those few that I get halfway through and think, man, I am done, until I think I'm going to come back and try again. But this is what he says about the Sermon on the Mount. What we've come to call the Sermon on the Mount is a concise statement of Jesus' teachings on how to actually live in the reality of God's present kingdom available to us. From the very space surrounding our bodies, it concludes with a statement that all who hear and do what he says in this message will have a life that can stand up to everything. That is a life for eternity because it's already in the eternal. You know, when Jesus came to earth, he brought eternity to, the, to time. He, he stepped out of this realm of living outside of time, and he entered time. And one of the things that Jesus said to people, which blew everyone's minds, is the eternal is upon you. So the, in the New Testament, we don't see eternal life begins when you die. John 17, it says eternal life is this, to know you and the one you sent. If you know Jesus, you're in eternal life. Now, I promise it gets better after the body goes away. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. little chuckle there. I needed that. But this is eternal life, which means there's more than you're currently experiencing because the, the message of Jesus is the kingdom of God is open to us. I mean, it's open. It's here. The imagery Jesus uses is it's at hand, almost like Jesus was saying, if you touched me, you've touched heaven. Because guess what? If you've touched him, you've touched heaven. Remember that this message in the original context, Matthew 5, was for the commoners. So welcome, that's us. We're the commoners. Yeah, his disciples were there, the chosen ones, the ones that look particularly stupid through most of the gospels. Those ones were there. But this is right after Matthew chapter 4. Jesus does all these miracles. All these things happen. And then he walks up the mountain, and all these people follow, and his disciples sit down, and Jesus begins to teach the commoners. This is for us. And he gives this single message. Uh, You've got to believe Jesus wasn't just winging it, but it was crafted with a single purpose because he wants people to understand that there's hope and that realistically they can... Uh, live a life in the kingdom that's different than the, than the life, life in the world because the kingdom is present in the king. Because Jesus has come, everything changes. And that's what he's wanting to communicate. So it's important that we interpret the separate parts of the sermon in light of that main message that Jesus gave back in Matthew 4, maybe a half an hour earlier or whatever. Repent. Turn around. Look a different way, because the kingdom of heaven is near. And it's almost like he's saying right here. Jesus is not giving us new laws in the Sermon on the Mount. It's really important that you hear that. And especially these first 12 verses. um, And I'm going to say some things that this might sound different to you, but give me a chance. I I think it'll make sense to you at the end. Jesus isn't giving a new set of laws as if he's saying, you heard the Pharisees' laws? Those are hard. Now let me really tell you how hard it is. I don't think that's the point. I think what Jesus is saying is, you want to know what life looks like in the kingdom? It's completely different than the world. That's why Dallas Willard calls his book about the Sermon on the Mount the divine conspiracy. Like, this one is going to mess with you. This turns the whole kingdom upside down. This turns your world upside down if you take it seriously. And so what Jesus is doing in the Sermon on the Mount is he's helping us to understand the true meaning of the application of God's word under the rule and reign of Jesus. It used to be, you know, swallow your spit on the Sabbath and you get tossed. I'm just making it up. But do one thing wrong and you're out. And Jesus goes the other way and says, you know what, no matter what, If you come through me, you are in. And you being in means I'm in you. And me living in you means everything changes. I mean, this is a radical shift for the people of God hearing this message in the first century. Jesus is answering some of the basic questions that every philosophy of life has to answer. What does it truly mean to be blessed? In other words, people that are in a good spot, what's the good life look like? He answers that question in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, what does it mean to be a good person? like what does a life of virtue look like? It's a common thing that philosophers in the in the day would be asking, and Jesus answers that here's what the good life looks like here's what true virtue looks like. I was um, in a uh, doing a wedding in another state a couple of months ago, and I was talking to someone um, who was not a part of our Vineyard Church, and they were saying, well, what kind of church are you? And it's a hard one to explain sometimes, isn't it? Like, what kind of church are you? Oh, you got to just come. <laughs> it's hard to, hard to explain a little bit. Um, but uh, so he was saying, well, like, what do you preach about? And I said, well, we're about to do a sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount. I'm really excited about it. He said, oh, that would be interesting. This is a believer and No judgment, I'm just telling you, here's how some people look at it. He said, oh, that would be interesting. Of course, Jesus doesn't mean us to do any of that stuff. I'm like, tell me more. <laughs> he said, well, I mean, I think clearly, you know, that the, those Beatitudes and all that stuff, I mean, what Jesus is pointing out is that it is so hard to keep the law. None of you could do it. You're all a bunch of failures, and that's why you really need Jesus. I can agree with the that's why you really need Jesus part, but it's really hard for me to believe that Jesus spent this time and this effort just to tell everyone, guess what, you can't do it. Try, you can't. I don't think that's the attitude of Jesus. No condemnation for those who walk in that as an understanding. I just think Jesus is doing something completely different. I think this divine conspiracy idea is the right idea. I think Jesus is subverting the order of the day and saying, the way you thought you would get in with God by doing all the right thing and hanging out with the right people, Jesus is saying, I'm here to show you, it's not about hanging out with the right people. It's not about doing the right thing. It's about being reconnected to the Father in heaven. And if you want to come my way to the Father in heaven, I will show you a whole new way of life, and it's going to look funny to the world. And how many in here can testify? You live your life following Jesus, it looks funny to the world. It does. So Jesus is turning everything upside down. He's flinging wide the doors of the kingdom, open to everyone. And these first 12 verses are key. I I think they are the the most difficult to understand in the context of Matthew 4. And so I'm going to spend some time on these first 12 verses this morning because it's key that we understand what Jesus is saying with these verses so we can understand the context for the next 3 months of of sermons which is what does life in the kingdom look like so the blessing of god Jesus is saying is not promised because of these special conditions hear that you're meek if you're if you're meek enough you get the kingdom if you're poor in spirit enough you get the kingdom if you're persecuted enough, you get the kingdom. Some of those things might be true that those are symbols of what it looks like to be in God. Jesus says you should be meek. But Jesus is not laying out a new law in the Beatitudes. Jesus isn't saying if you'll just do this enough, then you'll get into the kingdom. Because if he if he's doing that, he's just bringing a new legalism. He's just, he's just bringing a new way to sort of get in by doing the right thing or acting the right way. So if, if you've ever read through or listened through messages on the Sermon on the Mount, you're, always, you're probably perplexed and you're thinking like, this one doesn't sound good. I don't think I want to aspire to this one. You know, almost like no one's persecuting me. Maybe I'm not a Christian. I better do something awful and get persecuted. The blessing comes... Because you're in the kingdom of God. The blessing comes because Jesus is saying, any of these things that are happening, no matter what, if you're in the king, you're in the kingdom. And the blessing of God is you. Why? For you. Why? Because you're in the kingdom. Not because you're meek. Not because you're poor in spirit. Not because you're persecuted. Not because you're, 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 you're pure in heart. But because you're in Jesus. So Dallas Willard again, he says, The Beatitudes simply cannot be good news if they're understood as a set of how-tos to achieve blessedness. They would then only amount to a new legalism. They would not serve to throw open the kingdom. They'd do anything but. See, we'd start trying to squeeze ourselves into a new mold to gather favor from God. They would impose a new brand of Phariseeism and a new way of closing the door to the kingdom, as well as some very gratifying new possibilities for the human engineering of righteousness. Don't we tend towards that? (laughs) I mean, I'm all for a book on new new human ways to engineer righteousness. Give me 10 how-tos. I love that. But that's not what Jesus is giving in the Beatitudes. It's not eight steps to a blessed life. It's more like eight conditions which might make it look like you're not accepted by God. And Jesus said, in spite of the fact that you see yourself there, God loves you. He sees you, and yours is the kingdom. He's subverting the the world's order. One other thing I'll, I'll throw out. If you think about this as a sermon by Jesus, I recognize he probably didn't do it the way we do it, but if you, if you think about this as a sermon by Jesus, then these first 12 verses are like his introduction. You know, public speaking 101, what do you want to do when you stand up? You want to get their attention. You want to make sure everyone realizes what I'm about to say is for you. And I think Jesus is very much doing that when he stands up, not just as a rhetorical device. I think he's saying, here's a mass of people How can I help them to understand that what I'm about to say is for them? And he begins to list off some conditions of life, some circumstances that probably people were experiencing and feeling like, this must mean I'm outside the kingdom. Something's bad. And Jesus says, no, you're in. Uh, Matthew 4, so let me read you the context one more time. Matthew 4, 23 to 25. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and illness among the people. That's the big setup for Jesus' first, you know, big sermon. That's a good setup. That's That's good PR, right? News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him... All who were sick and ill with various diseases. Those suffering severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures, the paralyzed, and he healed them. And so large crowds from Galilee and surrounding regions across the Jordan followed him. So, what's Jesus doing? He's just demonstrated the kingdom of God, he's preaching the good news, and now he's really got their attention. And he's about to say, you want to know what life in the kingdom looks like? This is what it's like. Jesus' major point in these first 12 verses, I think, no matter what your life circumstances, you're blessed and you can rejoice and be glad because in me, Jesus, not Randy, in me, the kingdom of God is open to you. I think that's what Jesus is saying. He's getting everyone's attention and saying, yeah, and you, and you, yeah, and you. So with that in mind, listen to the Beatitudes again. Uh, listen as I read through the, the text with that in mind, that context, and I'll, I'll read the verses and then I'll give a, my own sort of take with some help from others on a, a little bit more contemporary uh, present paraphrase. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. And he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. It's like Jesus is saying, You might not know much about the, the spiritual life. You might feel like you're a newbie. Like, you're brand new to all this. You don't understand all the concepts. Maybe you feel like you don't know enough about God that you're supposed to, but guess what? The kingdom of God is open to you. Can you imagine that person who's, you know, just walking in for the first time, like there's this Jesus, and he says, you kind of don't know what you're doing in the the spiritual life. Guess what? The kingdom of God is for you. And somebody's attention perks up. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. It's like Jesus is saying, you might be in a season of sadness. You might be in a season of grief. The the world might look a little dark to you right now. But guess what? God's present comfort is available to you. It's like he's saying, you're sad because a bad thing has happened. Don't think You did something bad, God's getting you back. In fact, in the midst of your sadness and your grief, in the midst of your sadness and your grief, the kingdom is open to you. God's present comfort is yours. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Maybe you're shy and unassertive. Maybe you're you're not the one that can grab control of the room. You know, some people, they just walk into a room. I've never been one of these personally. (laughs) I can blend in pretty well. But there's some people, they just walk into the room and you go, whoa. A big spirit has just arrived. A big soul, someone with power. You know that feeling? It's like Jesus is saying, maybe you're not that one. Maybe you're a little shy. Maybe you're unassertive. But the blessing of God is not bestowed only upon the powerful. God offers you, and and I hear it like this, you, yeah, even you to me. Yeah, even you. The blessing of heaven on earth. You don't have to fight hard for the kingdom. Jesus did all the hard work, died, rose again. Yours is the kingdom. I mean, G- Jesus says it. The, the Father is happy, little children, to give you the kingdom. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now, it's good to hunger and thirst for righteousness. But I think what Jesus is saying is, maybe you feel wrongly treated Maybe you feel like you're living through some injustice. And what you long for in your own life, in the world around you, neighborhood, city, state, country, world, is justice. You're one of those who just thinks, God, if people would just live justly, if they would just care for people the way you care for them, all would be well. You hunger and you thirst for righteousness. You long for justice in the world. And Jesus says, the Lord is eager to touch you and to fill you with his goodness. When Jesus said, you know, the, um, uh, the, the violence or the anger of man cannot achieve the outcome of God. Jesus was saying, we don't do it the same way the world does it. We don't look for power so we can assert power so we can then make things happen for ourselves. It's just not the way of Jesus. He showed power through humility. And our lives came out of his death, chosen at the hands of horrible people. And that's how he brings justice. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. We have a lot of merciful people in our church. We have a lot of people who are sensitive to the needs of others, who are burdened for the, for the hearts of others. we got a lot of Enneagram 2s in the building, right? And you just feel, you just feel. And, th- and those feelings, they can make you cry, right? This isn't, this isn't your brokenness. This is God's work in you. You just feel for others and you cry. Maybe you're sensitive you're burdened for others in pain. And you might even think there's not enough care to go around. Like, how can I possibly care for all these? You're merciful. And Jesus says, God's heavenly and eternal mercy is available to you. You want to you feel mercy? It's all, it, it comes from heaven. And through you can go the mercy of God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Maybe in your own self, you feel like, you know, I'm a pretty good person. Like, I, I really want what's good. I, I, don't, I don't tend towards the evil. I just, I really want from God what is good. God looks at that heart. Yeah, he knows it's imperfect and broken. Jesus had to die for your imperfect and impure heart. But it's like Jesus is saying, God sees your heart, and he wants to know you intimately. In fact, God sees your heart and wants to call you child, wants to call you son, wants to call you daughter. You belong. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Maybe you're one of those that gets caught in the middle of conflict trying to make peace and what you end up with is everybody mad at you. <laughs> I do a lot of marriage counseling. Sometimes I think, I guess I've known I've good a, have done a good job if both sides are mad at me, because at least they're together. Maybe you find yourself in the middle of conflict, you're trying to make peace, you feel like you don't fit on either side, like you kind of get excluded. Anyone else feel out there in the world like, I don't know where I belong. I'm not that, I'm not that, I don't know. what. Where do I fit? God says, you want peace, the prince of peace. That's who you fit with. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Maybe you're treated poorly on your job, in your household, in your neighborhood, at your school because you just want to stand up for what's right and good. You don't think it's anything special. You just want what's right. You just want people to be cared for, people to be loved, and you get mocked for it. Jesus is saying you don't have to depend on what you can attain here on earth. God's kingdom is open to you now in its entirety. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This for me is is the hardest one to take, honestly. Because Jesus is saying, you're persecuted because of me. They say bad things about you. You're treated poorly. Here's what I want you to do. Smile. (laughs) That just doesn't feel right, right? Rejoice. Be glad. God's right in the midst. He's right there with you in it. Don't be surprised. Don't be encouraged. In fact, Jesus says, you're in good company. The people who have been for me and the world against them, there have been plenty of them. You're in good company. Jesus is communicating to us that in spite of our circumstances, those things in our life that might feel like, you know, if God really loved me, this wouldn't be happening. If, if, you know, I must be doing something wrong because bad things are happening. And Jesus is saying, no, in the midst of that, I'm with you. In the midst of that, you're blessed. The word means happy. I mean, that's weird. In the midst of it, you're blessed. You're known by God. God's right in the midst of it with you. You have a king that you can trust, and you'll be rewarded in eternity for what you're walking through right now. So let me just ask a practical question as we close. You think through those beatitudes, through those circumstances. Where are you today? I mean, if if Jesus was speaking to the commoners 2,000 years ago and the message applied to everyone, it probably applies to us too. Very personally. So where are you this morning? A little ignorant in the spiritual life? Sad? Grieving? Shy? Overly shy? Painfully shy? Scared? Fearful? Living out in your life the sense of injustice and longing for justice but not knowing how to make it happen? Sensitive? Sensitive? Burden for others, longing for what is good, caught in the middle, in conflict, getting slammed, misunderstood. Who who else in this room like detests more than anything else being misunderstood? Man, that just There's nothing that brings out violence in me. <laughs> like, no, you don't understand. <laughs> Jane's not here this morning, so we won't have any more stories. you feel like an outsider? Do you feel like an outsider? Do you feel rejected? Do you feel abandoned? you feel like I don't fit anywhere? And Jesus says, rejoice. Be glad. There's a reward coming for you from the Father in heaven, and you are not alone. I mean, a- after all that 30 minutes of me going through all that, you know what the big action point this morning is? Rejoice. That's the big action point. Not do something more. Not figure your life out. Not like, you know, I'm really going after him this time. I mean, there are times for rededication. There are times for using your empowered will to choose righteousness. That's all good things. But I think the invitation of Jesus this morning is, let my grace fall upon you. Blessed are you, wherever you might be, if you're in me because yours is the kingdom. Rejoice and be glad, because yours is the kingdom. Where do you find yourself in the message this morning? So I'm going to close. In just a minute, I'll ask the ministry team to come up, but I want to pray for us, but I want to to ask some questions. So if you just close your eyes, and we'll go right into practical application of the message. And I'm just going to take a few minutes and let... The King of Heaven, speak. Consider with God now, what's the good news of the kingdom to you this morning? What's the King saying to you this morning? For what reality presented by Jesus this morning? will you rejoice and be glad? What place in your life this morning that it seems like it might point towards sullenness and depression is God's invitation to rejoice and be glad? Not in denial, but in acceptance of ultimate and true reality. What does it mean to you this morning that in your current state, Jesus calls you blessed? What does it mean to you this morning, your life, your actual life, your living and breathing, that the kingdom of God is open to you? That the rule and the reign of Jesus Is a place for you to live freely. What does it mean that right now Jesus is promising his presence to you? Is there a challenge in your life this morning? A challenge, and in the midst of that challenge, Jesus is inviting you to look at it from an eternal perspective. Is Jesus just wanting to lift you up this morning and let you look at a challenge in your life from his perspective? Maybe there's a reward eternally that you're living for right now in this challenge. Is there a long-term work that God's doing in your life right now in the midst of it? Can you see from God's perspective? God, what are you doing in my heart this morning through this? How are you forming my soul? What character trait in my life are you highlighting here, God, that you just want to smother with your goodness and your power? And can you receive this morning that all of this happening in your current life is allowed by a Father who loves you? I mean, loves you. I mean, deeply, passionately, personally loves you. He's your Creator, He's your Redeemer, He's your King. And that makes you his child and his chosen and his dearly loved. And with Jesus, you get all the benefits of his rule and reign because the Bible says we are co-heirs with Christ. As the father feels about the son, they feel about you. Let's stand. If I can ask the ministry team to come forward. And I'll pray. Anyone on the ministry team, if you can just come up. Thanks. Let's pray. God, through all those words and all those questions, I ask, speak to your people. God, issue your invitation this morning. Highlight your truth. Highlight your love. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you'd release your power in the midst of us and give us grace this day, grace to respond by rejoicing and being glad in the midst of this, our lives in your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Hi. I got a text during church from your wife, Jane, um, and she feels like God is obviously so present, but he wants to do miracles this morning. He wants to release miracles for us, and there's no qualifier on to what that means. That's between you and Holy Spirit, and that he, God, is excited to release goodness into each one of us. So if that resonates with you, if that's Um, something you're desiring come see any of us on the team and uh, we will pray with you and for you if you want prayer this morning you want to just be in god's presence you're welcome to come and kneel or stay at your seat or come forward and have someone pray for you whatever your issue or desire or need might be i'm gonna walk out and be at the welcome stand and talk to any men who want to talk about the men's retreat i'll be kind I'll be loving. Um, God bless you as you realize what you have in Jesus, the kingdom of God, open and available to you. Amen.